how you can provide material assistance to those in the Bahamas. We're a four-square church. We're part of a denominational movement, a family that actually has a response team for these kinds of events. Your prayers are critical. So first of all, please be praying. But secondly, if you're interested in knowing how you can give financially to the Foursquare Disaster Relief Fund that is actively involved right now in providing assistance to the uh, Bahamians, then uh, please talk to me and I will get that information to you and we will continue to make that available to the congregation in the weeks ahead. We want to continue to pray also for any areas uh, that continue to come under the threat of this storm. The Carolinas uh, have been battered and so forth. Um, God is our help and our hope. The other tragedy that you heard about in the news this week, I have no doubt, was much closer to home, much smaller, but for those who were affected, Every bit is devastating. It was that tragic event of the dive boat burning off the Channel Islands so close to us. I was really deeply grieved by that. I'm sure you were too. Something about the shocking nature of it, to think of people celebrating birthdays, young people, families, people on a Labor Day holiday, and suddenly in a moment that devastation comes upon them in the middle of the night, in the deep. It's a tragic, it's a frightening, it's an unnerving situation. It's rocked the heart of Santa Barbara. It's rocked the heart of the world. I'd like to lift up prayer for those family members that are still struggling with that. Let's pray together for a moment. Father God, you know all of these needs. We desire, Lord, to be a part of the response in the spirit. We believe prayer makes a difference. We believe actually prayer makes the difference. But we also think that prayer moves mountains in the yes. natural realm. Yes. So we pray, and as we pray, we also make a covenant, Lord, that whatever we can give, we will give. However we can help, we will help. If you call us to go, we will go. But, Lord, we lift up all of these people who are either currently in peril or who have suffered such devastating loss. And we ask that your grace would be upon them, your comfort would reach them, and that even in the midst of these dark tragedies, Lord, you would use your light to shine on their path and draw them ever closer to you. In you, all things can be made new. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, there were three media stories that caught my attention this week in relation to our message this morning. We're starting a new series on the prophet Amos. Do you know, I was looking at a lot of resources and study aids on Amos. I hope you know that I use that. I don't just pull everything out of my pocket. I don't just sit there reading the scripture and having one wonderful epiphany after the other. You may question whether I have any wonderful epiphanies or not, but I want you to know that I need a lot of help to study these books. And I think actually we all can use good help. And I'm very blessed that we live in a day and age when so many helps are available to us. So I encourage you to uh, consider, in addition to your Bible reading, what kind of commentaries do you uh, accumulate for yourself? Do you go online and read devotional things? Look for good sources, sources who read the Bible as a point of devotion and believe it as a point of fact. Look for people who allow the Holy Spirit to guide their interpretation, but look for additional help. By the way, it's September. We're coming into the final months of the year. How are you doing on your Bible reading? Remember at the beginning of the year, we talked about how important it was to strategize a time, maybe even a place in your daily life where you give place to the Word of God. Well, it's a good time of year to sort of check in about that. It's easy to let that kind of drift off. And if that's been the case for you, don't feel bad. You're not the only person in the room of whom that is true. I can guarantee you of that. And even if you're doing really well with it, don't make that a point of pride. Just 
recognize how valuable it's been for you. But if you've drifted away from your Bible reading plan or if you don't have one, hey, start today. The Word of God in your mind, in your mouth, in your heart will bring the will of God to work in your life with fruitfulness. There are blessings to be found in the Word of God. Well, interestingly, as I mentioned, I'm studying in the book of Amos for this sermon series, and while there are blessings to be found in the Word of God, there's also burdens. Yeah, there's stuff in the Bible we don't like to hear. And one of the things I noticed as I was looking at Amos and other prophets was that there have been some studies done actual clinical studies, you know, survey studies of what gets preached in the churches of the United States of America. And you know what gets preached very, very rarely, very, very little of? The Old Testament prophets. And you know why? Because there's a burden that they bear. Because there's a judgment that they speak. And who wants to hear that? The gods of, the, of all the earth says, you're sinning, and I'm not going to put up with it anymore. The God says, all you nations who think you're so great, you'll be brought low. And you people of mine who call yourself by my name, who worship me week in and week out, and you have all your religious rituals, I'm not impressed. I'm upset with you. You're sinning in secret and sometimes in public. You're lying when you praise my name and then go around and live your own way. And I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. Well, no wonder this doesn't get preached. Who on earth would preach this? Are you heading for the doors yet? Well, that's Old Testament stuff. It's all done. It's all finished. <laughs> no, it's not. Jesus said, don't think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And Jesus didn't just say that about himself. The New Testament over and over again resources itself from the Old Testament. In fact, the Old Testament is not an Old Testament. It is the First Testament. It is the covenant out of which the New Covenant is born. Today is Grandparents' Day. The Old Testament is the grandparent to the New Testament, if you will. It gives birth to this promise that we're living in. Why is there so little power in the church of Jesus Christ in this country today? Why so little hope? Why so much worry? Why so few miracles? Because there is a famine for the word of God. And there is no desire to hear his burden. In Hebrew, the visions the prophets received, the message God gave to them, was called a burden. It means something given by God to you. You know, when you stand in line at a cafeteria, you go up there with your plate. Your plate is empty. It's light. It's easy, right? Nothing on it. But when the chef puts the food on your plate, what happens? There's a weight. You have a burden. That's what the prophets are offering. The burden of the Lord is a meal for you and I. But if we don't want to eat it, we won't be fed. 
We won't be strengthened and nourished by what God has to say. There is a blessing inside the burden. Amen. The cross of Christ is a burden. He carried it. He carried it from Gabbatha, the place of the pavement that was drenched in his blood, where he was burdened by the whip and lashed by the snare. He carried the cross all the way to Golgotha, to the hill of the skull, to Calvary. And he said, if you're going to follow me, you have to pick up your burden too, which is your cross, which is a way of living that says, not my will, but yours. I'll put to death my life so that your life will live in me, so that it's no longer me who lives, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. I just want to ask, is that the way you and I are living? Is it really? I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it is. I'm asking you to ask yourself a question. Are you living Jesus's life or are you living yours? Because the scripture says, if you are a new creation in him, you cannot keep on living your life and call yourself his disciple and be honest. You can do it, but the burden of the Lord says you're lying. Now, I need to say something. In a message from Amos, there are things you and I might not want to hear. But if we don't hear them, we will not receive the blessing. So open to hear something that might hurt a little bit. Because in the hurting comes healing and helping, and wholeness. Burdens and blessings go together in this life because it's a part of the harvest that the Lord wants to bring about in us. So I've got a question for you. You say, hey, I thought you said there were three media stories. Well, two people in the room remembered that I said there were three media stories. I'm going to get to them. I haven't forgotten, I promise. We'll be here till 4 o'clock, but we will get to them. You can go right from here to Sister Tammy's class. It's a burden, but a blessing. <laughs> I've got a question for you first. What's your burden? Here's the thing. We're already carrying stuff. It isn't a matter of having a light and easy, carefree life or coming to God and being so laden down. And people say, well, why would I want that? You know what? You're already heavy laden. You're already carrying burdens. In fact, if you're not in Jesus, you're in hell already. Hell's already in you. And you know it. The anxiety, the anger, the tension, the fear, the stress, and all those temptations that you know within your heart aren't right for you. You don't even need God to tell you. Your own conscience convicts you. The truth of the matter is, we don't like, as people, any of us, believers, non-believers, whatever, we don't like to hear a judgment upon ourselves, but we're hearing it all day, every day, anyway. Your own heart knows your sin. We talk so much about equity these days, about the equality of people. I'll tell you, you know what really is the great leveler? What really shows us that we are all the same. We are all sinners, Amen. and you know it. Every single one of us. 
And if you're living in such denial that you can't even face that, if you're listening to me, you may as well turn me off. Because if you can't face that, you can't face the truth. Like Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. But it'll handle you. Let's be honest. We're all sinners. And there are things that are weighing us down. This is the media story I saw. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning with the right attitude when you are overwhelmed with your life, your past, your job, responsibilities, emotions, family, finances, relationships. When it feels like there's trouble after trouble after trouble, you start foreseeing the day through lenses of dread and anticipate another bad day. A cycle of feeling disappointment after disappointment. Sometimes it can even get to the point where you don't even want to live anymore, where you feel like it's never going to change. I can fully sympathize with you, says the speaker. Who said it? Does anybody know who this is? You're given free reign. You can call it out. Does anybody know? It was on Instagram <laughs> on Labor Day. Somebody shared their labor on Labor Day. It was Justin Bieber. Oh, now you know. Too late. You can't get the points now. The fact is, we all carry pain, grief, and loss, he said, not Justin Bieber. We spend most of our time hiding it, but it's there. It's in you, so you open up those boxes. Who's this? Does anybody know? It was in the New York Times on September 4th. Brad Pitt. A man, according to the author of the article, with all the fame in the world, but no real desire for it. Nobody wants to get divorced. How would you like it if your divorce was news in all continents? And your drinking problem. And the strife that you have with your ex-spouse over your kids. It's not easy to be famous. I feel for these people. I really do. You think that that's something you want, but I don't know about that. Brad Pitt says in the article, in the 90s, the 1990s, all the attention I received as a movie star really threw me. It was really uncomfortable for me. The cacophony of expectations and judgments. Do you hear some similarity to what Justin Bieber had to say? I really became a bit of a hermit and just bonged myself into oblivion. That's not a euphemism. He means that he looked for peace in pot, in marijuana. I admire him for being honest about that. He goes on to talk about how that didn't really help. And in fact, as it's been made public, he had an issue with drinking that actually led him into an AA group in which he found a lot of liberty and relief and freedom in being able to share with a small group of close-knit men in that group about their struggles and be honest with each other about the bad things they had done. You know what? That should happen in the church. That's what the church is supposed to be about. Not a bunch of people who judge each other and hide their own sin, but people who get honest with each other in a safe place where they can and say, you know what? A lot of times the way I behave is no darn good. But we have hope in a helper and a healer. He said, I had taken things as far as I could take it in his abuse of alcohol and so forth. What do these stories bring us to understand? I want to go back to what Justin Bieber said on Instagram. Take a look. 
You see, I have a lot of money, clothes, cars, accolades, achievements, awards, and I was still unfulfilled. I had become ultra successful as a young teen, he said. Over a period of just two years, my whole world was flipped on its head. I went from a 13-year-old boy from a small town being praised left and right. Remember that was when he was back on YouTube? And uh, it's such a sensation. Millions saying how much they loved me, how great I was, to being the most ridiculed, judged, and hated person in the world. Now, maybe he was never the most loved, and I'm sure he was never the most hated, but for him, he has experienced something that, that you or I haven't. He's experienced what it's like to have millions of people uh, you know, clamoring for him and millions of people making fun of him. And I think each one is hard in its own way. Everyone did everything for me. He wasn't carrying any burden. So from the outside, we look at somebody like that and we go, he's got money, he's got fame. Now maybe you think, hey, I don't care a thing in the world about Justin Bieber. Let me, let me tell you something. You don't have to be a fan of his music to appreciate the value of what he's saying here. You don't have to be a fan of his life or his lifestyle, but you should care something about him. He is a real person. Amen. Sometimes I think we forget that, you know, these are real people. Donald Trump is a real person, made of flesh and blood like you and me. Whatever you think of him, as a believer, you should pray for the leader of our nation and all the leaders. You should pray for everyone in Congress. You should pray for every senator. You should pray for every judge and justice in the land. And remember, they're all real people. Kim Kardashian is a real person. Yes. Don't treat people like they're your objects. In a media world, we've come to believe that the people on our screens belong to us. And they believe that we belong to them. How many followers do they have? Justin Bieber's got, what, 120 million followers, something like 118 million followers on Instagram. But they don't belong to him. And he doesn't belong to you, but we all belong to God. By age 20, he had made every bad decision you could think of. He talks about his drinking, his drugs, bad relationships. He's honest about being abusive in relationships. I felt like I could never turn it around. It's taken me years to bounce back from all these terrible decisions, fix broken relationships, change relationship habits. This is a big deal that somebody would come onto Instagram and say all of this. I mean, I admire it. I, I really do. I, I, whatever else you think about what he's done, I admire him for sharing this because uh, someone in his position, there's incredible vulnerability to do that. And I think it's a lesson for us. Be vulnerable about what you're facing. You're not alone. You're not the only one. Luckily, God blessed me with extraordinary people who love me for me. That is a blessing. It's a blessing he discovered through the burden. Now, you might say, I don't have any patience for this. The third media story I saw was one of those writing for advice things, which I don't usually read. I, I don't remember what it was about the, the headline that caught my attention, but I thought, I'll bet you this will be a third part of this trio of stories, and indeed it was. It was a woman who was anonymous. Here's somebody who's not famous and doesn't even name herself, because in these Dear Abby things, they never do. I don't remember what they called her, some little clever nickname. But she wrote and she said, my husband and I are very affluent. We both are professionals with upper level degrees. We're, it, she didn't give her exact age, but from the description of their life, sounded like they were in their 30s. She uh, talked about how they don't have any kids, They've been working for well over a decade at these high-paying jobs. They've got a lot of money saved. In fact, they maxed out their 401ks. And she said, now I just spend money on clothes and fancy trips and food. I, I'm into art, so I've bought more paint than I can probably ever use. But I feel so 
empty. What should I do? And the person she was riding to uh, didn't even say the first thing that came to my mind, which was give some of it away. <laughs> right? It was amazing. In the comment section, there were a lot of people that said that. And the other biggest comment was have kids, which, of course, is a great way to give some of it away. <laughs> when you have kids, you give some of it away. But whether they have kids or not, they have resource they could be sharing. She was saying, I'm funneling it all back into us, but I feel so empty about it. So here's the reality that all these comments are making. The things that our world prizes, that our world thinks are so valuable, power, fame, prestige. By the way, I have a movie star and a singer. I could just as easily have a politician, a scientist, an author, a business success. It doesn't matter what the field is. It could be a great athlete. You pick what you admire, and the person that's at the top of the game could say these exact same things. It doesn't matter what it is. No kind of success can really satisfy the burden that is in your heart. And in fact, many of those successes just become more of a heaviness. Here's what Justin Bieber continued to say, though. I'm going to get to the word of God, I promise. <laughs> now I'm navigating the best season of my life, marriage. What a wonderful thing. You hardly ever hear that kind of statement in today's society. I hope it lasts. I pray for their marriage to be blessed. Lord, bless. The Bieber marriage, both of them. But look what he says about it. It's an amazing, crazy, new, will you read that underlined word? Responsibility. Just like having a kid too, right? What does a woman do when she has a child? Well, first of all, she has to bear it, right? You carry that child for nine months and it's a burden. And then you go through labor to deliver it. And then that's just the beginning of burdens. But it's a wonderful new responsibility. Think again of that plate. Something wonderful has been placed upon your plate. It's work, but it's wonderful work. And it's meaningful life. There's blessing in the burden. You learn patience, trust, commitment, kindness, humility, all of the things it looks like to be a good man. Now go back to what Brad Pitt said. He talked about how his father tried to make him a good man. I grew up with that be capable, be strong, don't show weakness thing. My father grew up in extreme hardship and poverty. That's a burden. He tried to make it better for me and he did. But what's lacking about that mindset of just making it better, taking away the burdens and just making it better is that it lacks taking inventory of yourself. And if you're just that stoic type that says, I'm just going to carry what I have to carry, you're not really in touch with what you need inside. It's almost a denial, Pitt said, of this other part of you that's weak. It goes through self-doubts. Even though those are human things we all experience. Certainly, it's my belief that you can't really know yourself until you identify and accept your weakness. Yes. Both of these men, for whatever else you might say about them, offered valuable insights in these interviews as far as I'm concerned. Things that we should take to heart. 2 Corinthians 13 puts it this way, test yourselves, right? That's like what Pitt is saying. Look inside of yourself. See, open up the boxes of need and hurt and grief and wound. Look at the place of weakness. That's what they shared in that AA circle, their weaknesses. We admitted that we were powerless over our problem. We admitted that there was a higher power that we needed to go to, and that higher power is God. Amen. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid 
in the faith. Don't drift along, taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not just hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. And you know what the evidence is? It's fruit. It's love in you. It's joy in you. It's peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness in you. And if that's not in there, he's not in there. So look for it. And if it's lacking, don't run from that. Run to him for it. My plate is empty, Lord. Will you fill it up? Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Well, we're not works-based. We don't believe that our works can save us. No, but I'll tell you this. If you don't test yourself, then the work of God is not at work in you. Because the work of God in you will call you to test yourself. And he'll test you. He'll test his people. That's what the prophets said that the Lord is going to put us to the test. And when he does, if we're found wanting, he's going to do things so that where we lack, we're going to be filled up. I hope the test won't show that we have failed, said Paul. And I, I say the same thing as, as your pastor. I hope it won't show that I failed, but I'd rather that it come to that than that you not see where you have a need for the Lord. We're rooting for the truth to win out in you, says Paul. That's people who love you for you and say, we want the truth of God in you. Amen. Not people who just say, we like you just as you are, but people who say, we love who you are, Amen. but we want the truth Amen. of God to be alive in you. And sometimes that truth is not pleasant to hear, but if you really love the person, you'll really speak the truth in love. Amen. If you don't speak the truth, you don't have love. We couldn't possibly do otherwise, says Paul. We don't just put up with our limitations. We celebrate them, says Paul. And we celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth in you. And we pray hard that it'll all come together in your lives. This is not an easy series for me to do. I have felt the burden of this message all week. And I can't explain that to you. I just have felt the physical burden of it. It's something that a preacher feels. And maybe sometimes you feel it too. When God puts a message in you for someone else. But I am rooting for the truth in your life, and I'm praying hard that it'll all come together. I can't do it, but I believe the Lord will. Here's how Justin Bieber finished. All of this is to say, even when the odds are against you, keep fighting. Well, amen, brother. That's, that's Ephesians uh, 6, right? Having done all, stand. That's Galatians 6. Keep on. Don't give up. Because if you remain faithful, you'll reap a harvest. Jesus loves you. Sent out to 118.5 million people on Instagram. Jesus loves you. Thank you, Justin Bieber, for sharing that truth. It's just as valuable when you share it. And you don't have to share it with, you don't have to have 118 million people on Instagram for it to be a powerful message for you to share with the person at the grocery store. I was at the grocery store last night. There was a man trying to steal a box of Entenmann's who got into a physical fight with the manager at the doorway trying to get out. I don't know what the issue of the man was. I don't know if he's crazy, if he's demonized, or if he's just that hungry. But I thought, how desperate must you be to try and, in bold view of everyone, tackle the manager with entomans under your arm like a football to get out? It was a violent situation. There were several people that actually ended up having to come and do a tackle. The guy ultimately left the donuts or whatever it was and 
went running out with cursing. But I felt sad. And I thought, I wish I could find that man and say to him, Jesus loves you. When I went outside, he was long gone. And I don't know whether he would have heard it from me anyway. Jesus loves the manager too. The whole situation was sad. And in our world, in our society, you see this. There's anger and strife. I was at a football game on Friday night. One woman, probably in her 30s or 40s, apparently the mother of some, some teenager there, screaming the most horrendous profanities and violent threats against another woman. I don't even know what it instigated the fight. The police showed up. And this is nothing compared to the shooting that occurred at that football game recently in Texas. Our society is being torn apart. The love of many people is growing cold. So go out there and be kind today. Be bold today. Love people today, not by your standards. This is the word of Justin Bieber. I honor him for it. But by God's perfect, unfailing love. That's a good message. And I pray the Lord will bless him for having shared it and bless us for having heard it. All right. When is this guy going to wind up? I'm not really going to go to 4 o'clock. But I do want to talk a little bit about Amos in this series on Amos. It won't take long. I want to talk about a few things that are really preparing us for looking closely at a prophecy of Amos next week. This is going to be a three-part series. So next week will be the middle of the series, and we're going to look at Amos chapter 8. And a vision that that Amos, I almost said famous Amos. He is famous Amos, but not that famous Amos. That famous Amos is famous for cookies. This Amos is famous for a vision of fruit. In a year of fruitfulness, the Lord called me to preach out of Amos 8, the vision of the basket of fruit. That's going to be next week. But I wanted to look at Amos in general today to prepare us for hearing about that message. Amos, the burden bearer. Amos has a burden. Will you say that? Amos has a burden. Now, you don't have to say this, but this is the way people felt about him at the time. Amos is a burden, as in Amos is a pain, a pain in the neck, or you may wish to put it lower. But (laughs) the people felt like Amos is a burden on us. But Amos knows something. He knows the burden bearer. There is a divine message that Amos receives, and it carries weight. Amos begins with this word. This message was given to Amos, a shepherd. And that burden that I talked about before shows up throughout the prophets. Again and again in the Old Testament prophets, the vision or the message that they have from God, especially when it includes judgment, is called a burden. In Ezekiel 12, thus says the Lord God, this burden concerns the prince of Jerusalem. Zechariah 9.1, the burden of the word against the land of Hadrach. Zechariah 12.1, the burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Isaiah uses this terminology of burden over and over too. And in fact, Amos's name means burden bearer in the Hebrew. His name means a burden or carrying a burden. Amos was a common man, a humble common man. He wasn't a celebrity like these people we've been talking about. He wasn't rich and wealthy. He was just a farmer and a sheep herder. He lived in Judah, which was the southern kingdom, but he preached to the northern kingdom of Israel, which was more powerful, more affluent. He was not a professional prophet. There were professional prophets at that time, but the problem with the professional prophets was they didn't want to hear the word of God. The professional prophets preached encouraging messages. They preached about what makes you good and right. They said, as long as you're following these practices, you're good with God. 
God loves you because you're his favored people. And the people liked to hear that. But God didn't like it because it wasn't what he was saying. So he had to find somebody who wasn't a professional and say, you know what? Since the pastors won't say it, I'll find a pastor out in the field, a shepherd and a fig farmer who hears me and will share my burden. But in doing so, he brought division. Say this, a divine vision brings division. That's a quote from Stephen Furtick in his, uh, his book, uh, Sun Stand Still. But it's accurate. You see it over and over in scriptures. Maybe you've seen it in your own life. The work of the Lord in you may bring division. It may bring strife. It may be a burden. You need to know the Lord doesn't deny that. And that doesn't mean you're wrong. <laughs> Amos chapter 2 describes in the words of the prophet from the Lord, in other words, the inspired word of the prophet, how the people told the prophets, shut up. And that's the society we live in today. Society that says, stop saying those things. That's negative. That's shaming. That's derogatory. That's a lie. That's disproven. But there is no genuine interest in the truth. It is simply hungering for a message we like. The New Testament puts it in terms of itching ears that just want to be scratched like a dog. You know how a dog comes and you scratch behind the ears and the dog just likes it. But try and give the dog a bath. My dog would go running. Congregations today want their ears scratched, but they don't want to get clean. And if you try and clean them the minute they're clean, like what my dog would do, he'd go roll in the dirt. The Bible puts it more graphically. A dog returns to its vomit. And that's the way the people are. Shut up. We like what we're eating. We'll just keep regurgitating it. Ugh. That's our world. And it's us. Amos lived in a time of Israel's national division. This is the divided kingdom. There was Israel in the north and Judah in the south. At this time, Israel had military might in the north. And they had economic prosperity. Does it sound a little familiar to you? It's like the United States. National division, relative military strength, and globally speaking, relative prosperity, yet a time of tremendous wealth inequality. The rich getting richer while the poor get poorer. And it's very plain that the rich are taking advantage of the poor in the days of Amos. It's very plain that that's happening today as well. Amos preached God's burden against Israel's national pride while they ignored the Lord. And yes, Amos also preached God's burden against Israel's evil neighbors. But what really offended the Israelites was the fact that Israel was being critiqued in Amos' burden. They were being critiqued for their sexual indulgences, for their intoxication. Literally, Amos describes how the women, the wealthy women of that era, were just intoxicated with their wine and the men liked to get together and drink but they were also intoxicated with just the wickedness of worldly ways and their fake religion, which was just about outward show of devotion and no inward sincerity. God's not mocked. He can see the difference. Amen. So Amos comes and brings a message of judgment. And next week, we're going to look at it because it's a message, I hope you can hear this, that applies to our world today. And the message is this. There is a time 
coming and the time is here. Will you say this phrase? The time is ripe. That's the vision of the basket of fruit. It's God saying, that's it, time's up. We've got a timer on our oven at home. When it dings, you know that's done. Now it's time for it to come out. It's time for this to be served. And what the Lord is saying is, I've waited and I'm not waiting anymore. Something is coming. Hear me. It cannot be stopped. It can only be walked through. I'm saying this to you by the Spirit of the Lord. Receive it if you will. The time is ripe, and our land has a reckoning that is overdue. I don't say that with any relish, nor with any desire that anyone should be harmed. I say it with the burden of the Lord that all would be saved. Because there's no escaping this. The only way to walk through this burden and find it as a blessing is to know the burden bearer. And the burden bearer is Jesus Christ. He's the one who carries our burdens. On the far side of judgment is blessing. Amos chapter 9, which we'll look at in two weeks, the third and final of the series. The Lord says, in that day, at that time, I will restore what's been brought down. The time will come when I will bring forth a new harvest. Amos knows the burden bearer because he meets him through the burden. You and I meet Jesus in the place of our need. You remember the question I began with? What are you carrying today? What's your weight? That's the place for you to meet Jesus. Amen. This is the passage that Pastor Henji preached from on Wednesday night. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Now remember, the burden is what God has given to you. So what the, what the Hebrew is saying here is, take what God has given you and give it back to him. And he will sustain you. There's a burden coming that will weigh heavily on all of those who have held back from God what is owed to God. But if you have given yourself to God, the burden that comes will be a blessing and you will be a blessing to those who are burdened in it. Amen. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. None of us is righteous of our own. We are only righteous in Christ but his righteousness is us. Therefore, Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter surely had Psalm 55 in mind when he said that, although there are other places in the scriptures that also describe how God himself is our burden bearer. The enemy seeks to devour you, but God wants to feed you, fellowship with you, and fill you with his spirit. Isaiah 30 says this, people of Zion, your time of tears is over. Here's a message from the Old Testament prophet that brings the promise of what comes next. After the burden comes a blessing. Cry for help. This is the word of the Lord to you today. Cry for help and you'll find it's grace and more grace in him. The moment he hears, he'll answer. 
Just as the master kept you alive during the hard times, he'll keep your teacher alive and present among you. And you know who the teacher is? He's the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, here to help you and to carry your burden. He'll say to you, this is the right road. Walk down this road. You'll get rid of your idolatry and you'll receive hope. You'll say good riddance to all the things you've leaned on that couldn't help you. Like Bieber and Pitt, like the lady with all the money who said all of that was not only not a help, it actually hurt me, but what you'll find is I'll get rid of all of that. I'd give away all of that in order to have God, in order to know God, in order to know him in his sufferings and to share with him in them so that I could know him in his blessing of life. God will provide rain for the seeds you sow. The grain that grows will be abundant, oblivious to war and earthquake. In other words, to the wrongs of the people of the world and oblivious to the wrongs of the natural world, sunshine will flood the land. You know what that is? It's a promise of harvest. There will be a harvest. And so that harvest is brought forth by the burden bearer, the Lord of the harvest, who himself says to you and I today, Come to me if you're weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you know what it looks like? It looks like a cross. Come carry the cross today and find the food of the bread of heaven on your plate. Come carry the cross today and be washed in the blood that makes you clean. Come carry the cross today and be filled by the spirit who is a helper and teacher who will show you the way and give you the power to walk in it. Come carry the cross today, die to yourself and come alive in Christ. Really, be a new creation. Don't live the same way anymore. Decide that Jesus can be taken at his word and take him at it. You will become something totally unexpected. You will become like Christ. You will have the power of his faith. You will have the witness of his word. You will have his manner and character in you. And other people will meet him when they meet you. It's your destiny. Give yourself to Jesus Christ today and let him make you like him. Lord, we thank you that your burden is easy and light. We thank you that your blessing is true. We know, Lord, that there's judgment. We know that none is more worthy of that judgment than us. We deserve it. We have done wrong. We have sinned. We are sinners. We confess it. And friend, if you're listening to this right now, and you've never done that before, you can do it today. It's a burden on your back. Your sin is a burden on your back. Why don't you put it on his? His back that was ripped open by the whip, his back that was splintered by the cross, his back that was nailed to the cross. His back has your back. He wants to carry your load. In fact, he already has. Why go further carrying what he's already said he will take? Why keep yourself from what he's already said he will give? So pray that with me. 
Will you follow these words with me? Say it with me if you feel it in your heart. Lord Jesus, I confess my sin and I repent of it. Help me to turn away from my sinfulness and from worldliness and from any and all false idols. Help me to look only to you. Make yourself visible in me. Make me like you. My life is yours. Please give to me your life. And he does. Even right now, if that was your prayer, if that was sincerely in your heart, the Lord is bringing blessing to you. You may have walked with him many, many years, but if you sincerely prayed that prayer just now, it's a prayer we can pray every day as long as we live here. There's something new of God's blessing coming to you, something new of God's vision coming to you, and it may be a weight, but carry it with joy because in that there is blessing. Let the word of the Lord fill you and shape you and guide you so that your life would reflect him to a world that is so desperately in need. Be bold today. Show love, not just the way you would show it. Show it God's way. Show people Jesus. Tell people Jesus loves you and show it to them by his spirit in his name. Amen.